Welcome to the Ripple Effect Martial Arts Podcast. Hey, everybody. Today we have Lara Loritz with us. Really excited to get to know more about you and what you do and, and, and what brought you into the martial arts. My younger son, he was five, was begging to do karate for several months because he wanted to be a Power Ranger. He finds the story very embarrassing now. He was deeply disappointed to realize that you couldn't be an actual Power Ranger, but figured that he'd keep going with Taekwondo because it was the closest you could get. I think he started just before his sixth birthday or right afterwards. And we'd done briefly some classes um, with both boys when we were still in California. When they were little, that didn't stick so well initially. And then Avi had been doing Taekwondo for a year, almost a full year. And the Mother's Day special, Get Your Mom Out on the Mat, was offered. Um, And he begged and begged. So I finally was like, fine, on the last day of May. (laughs) And at the end of it, I was like, that's fun. I like kicking things. And I signed up. (laughs) Nice. You like kicking things. And kids, (laughs) that goes to show the squeaky wheel gets the grease when it comes to karate. If you want to, you got to, you got to beg for it. But your son watched the Power Rangers and went, I want to do what they're doing. Yep. He thought it was really cool. And he thought that um, martial arts training would be his pathway there. And then um, a year after, almost a year after me, my husband and older son joined. Because you're a high brown belt. Is that right? Yes. So my youngest and I are in prep cycle right now. We'll be testing in May. Wow. That's exciting. Yeah. Let's skip ahead sort of in the past, but real quick to your first black belt test. You did that with your youngest son, is that right? You're- yes, he was 10 or nine. He just turned 10. It's always interesting to get people's perspectives on that first black belt test weekend, that three-day weekend, but in the COVID era, it was, how was that experience for you guys? Definitely different than what we'd gone and watched. We'd gone up to Estes and watched a couple different ones and the rest of the family, even my youngest would wander off. Usually I was always obsessed with watching it found it fascinating. So yeah, very different than what we had been see what we gotten to observe. But still, I, mean, I think we benefit that we have the family doing it. Like my son and I are doing it together. We're not alone virtually. And we have each other cheering each, each other on. And then the other half of the family supports us. And kind of the, my older son looks wide-eyed at what he's coming up on. is <laughs> a little intimidated. So I just, there's a more, there's more group in our household and we've made really, I've made some great karate mom friends, folks on and off the mat and the boys have made friends as well. Your job is as a school psychologist. Mm-hmm. And so you must deal with a lot of behavioral issues and yep. <laughs> does, does karate training go hand in hand? Does it complement your profession? Yeah. Well, and the first year watching Avi on the mat, I would just sit there and just completely geek out about all of the executive functioning skills being taught. Um, Just loved it. I mean, they're working towards a goal that's four years out and um, you know, he's five, six and working on this goal half his life away, but it's broken down to this week. This is what to do to get a stripe, to move forward towards that belt in two months. You know, every step is broken down all the way. So even right now, what do I need to do for that goal in four years? Because here I have my daily task sheet. And if I want this check, I need to do the chore. So it's really broken down in a way that's, we don't explicitly teach most kids. 
Um, and most humans need it broken down. It's not natural to think about how do I get to this giant goal? And especially the kids I teach and I, I work with, I just love that. And things like they would teach how to meet somebody. So go find somebody you've never met before and make eye contact, introduce yourself, shake hands. We're not allowed to do that anymore. But you know those types of skills of how and, and how to do a decent handshake. And I had done job readiness training before becoming a psych back in my 20s. Um, and just teaching how to do it as handshake that gives a positive impression versus sort of a ugh, dead fish feel could sometimes take an entire half hour lesson. So just that that was just built into the curriculum was something that I always loved. I do a lot of job like checklist point systems for kids because I do have an extraordinary needs program and I have a couple different programs that I'm, you know, different levels of um, special education needs and those point systems and that positive reinforcement of desired behaviors is huge. And, and then they've got all these role models of, you know, there's the 40 year olds that are old and don't know anything. And then there's the, the 20 year olds or the teenagers that are the coolest ever. Well, those are the people that are telling my sons they need to make their bed or they need to speak with respect, even with angry. And it just carries a lot more weight and it's helping them get to that four year goal. My oldest is almost 14 now, but she was six when she started. And sitting there in the school, my wife and I were sat down and watched and she was on the mat and Master Macy sat down and said, one of the first things we say in karate is that you need to focus your eyes, focus your mind, focus your body. And instantly I thought I'm learning, I'm sitting here and I'm learning something from this. Oh yeah, and it makes such a difference. For me, Taekwondo is a huge, self-regulator. If I'm having a rough day, my boys know I'll come home and be like, we're going to karate class. Mama needs to kick things. And I'll be in a much better mood <laughs> at the end of it. For your, your sons, the inspiration was Power Rangers, but what makes you sit at the black belt tests and watch what's going on with fascination, like you said? Um, the body control and the mental control is really impressive. Um, I think I finally found my exercise, my sport, I'm super competitive, so doing competition team, actually winning at state uh, definitely kept my drive. And then the, when I didn't win, I'd work twice as hard. But that that physical and mental control, I think, is huge, is a huge draw for me. Actually, one of the instructors, Ali Hayes, she mentioned that, that you are really, you really want to learn how to do things correctly, and you have a lot of questions. But you're also creative. Is there a creative element to what you're doing in Taekwondo? I think when you get to the uh, competition side, yes. I, I like the rigidity of like when you're testing and this is and especially as we're getting at the higher, um, like that detailing where it's not just pseudo block, whatever, you know, you better have your chamber right, you know, for the form. And I like that rigidity too. But yeah, at competition level, you need to have it have some flair and how do you do that? And I like that as well. And also the like, how do you remember it? You know, every every single combo has a story for me. <laughs> and, and my boys know them all, you know. So you call for a combo and I will have something. Um, the, green, the green combos are all about water slides. <laughs> okay. Tell us about that. Green okay. number four. Tell us so, how, how that relates. So, right, well, so let's say green four. Because so they're all every, all the greens have three kicks, and I think of them all as having turns in them, like a twirling water slide. And I think the water slide 
comes from actually two because it's sliding side side, right? So there's a slide. I just picture all of these as water slide going, you know, like how you go down. And that's how I remember each one. So the boys will yell it out with me. So if somebody yells like blue two, they'll be saying black and blue because it's front punch, lunch punch. And I think of two black eyes, you know. Every single one, every single one has it until you get up into um, the Browns. It starts to get harder to find. I don't have as many stories for those. And if an instructor asks me what a combo is, I will often blurt the thing that is my key. You know, so um, purple three, you know, I'm a little T. <laughs> and then I'll say, oh, okay. And then I'll give the answer. <laughs> so. Metaphor or that kind of a, a analogous approach to thinking about what is this like? And there's another experience that this combo is like, or it's a, a way of helping me remember or experience. And that can be really powerful as a, as a learning tool. Do you, do you use that? Do your kids use that? Or is it helpful? I mean, my kids, that's how they know it. My husband often is lost when we yell about, but that's not how he's learned them. <laughs> so, and I'm sure other people around us are lost, but once I explain it, they usually understand. I think it's also how I work with the kids, the students I work with. A lot of the kids I work with, I mean, they have learning differences and it can be challenging to memorize and finding ways to cross learning modalities is really important for this, my students. So making it kinetic and making it rhyme or making it visual and and auditory is super important for those kids. And I think that that just became very natural. I know I'm super verbal in how I remember how I understand things. So I added a verbal component to these physical, but it's also a visual visualizing. I mean, when I say I'm a little teapot, well, we're doing that sort of almost a teapot move. So I'm, I can see the physical that I'm about to do. When I talk about the green belt, the green belt forms have been uh, water slides. I'm visualizing these kind of twisty slides. <laughs> so um, it just adds to that, especially once you get to the, the black belt tests where they're just calling things out at random fast. And early on, I realized that we could be tested at random. And we started testing using like spin the wheel, just a silly app to try to mix it up. And I think that's also helped us as we moved up that because we had some friends that were higher belts that we'd made partially through the hero project and then watching them and cheering them on. And it was like, oh, that's how it's going to go. We better start practicing now. Because again, my kids are young. My brain isn't as flexible. So let's start early. <laughs> that's great that you mentioned. So for anybody listening who hasn't heard of this yet, when you get to be a conditional black belt, you take on something called the Hero Project where you take on some protégés, basically, and you're helping them excel to where you are now as you are making your way toward black belt. So teaching, thats I love that you mentioned that because that is such a huge component. You're looking not just the instructors or even the master instructors for, for what to do, but as a resource, people who have who are just ahead of you, basically, in their black belt training. Yeah, and it creates great role models. And I know it's true for anything. Teaching helps solidify your understanding. So it helps on both directions. Yeah, I spend a lot of time geeking out about just how much learning theory and executive functioning teaching is happening in our schools, in, in our Ripple schools. I don't think we do enough explicit teaching of those types of skills to kids in school because we have such a focus on math and reading scores. 
Can you explain what executive function means? Think of executive function as your inner traffic cop. So it's part of the brain that's saying, okay, time to shift our focus, time to stop this activity, move on to the next. Um, time, oh, there's something going on behind me. I should probably stop and tune into. This is, I need to do this. This is the order. This is how the direction to go, that inner organizer. And some people have a really good inner organizer and know exactly, they look at a task and know exactly how to break it down. And some people look at a task and don't know where to begin. I think some people naturally are really good at math and some people are naturally really good and can teach themselves to read, but that's not the norm, honestly. But with executive functioning, we expect that ability to much more organically emerge. Many times my job with students is to teach explicitly those skills of, hey, just noticing my energy or my behavior does not match everybody else in the room. That stop and look around, read the room skill. Not everybody's good at that. So, you know, the kid that comes in from recess still yelling in top volume and climbing on the tables may just not have noticed it's time to shift. We're in a different environment. The, it's My expectations have changed and nobody else is doing this. And there's lots of ways to teach that. But in the end, attention, body control, awareness, control, not just in that, like being able to be still and stand at attention, but being able to throw a head punch and not hurt the person. <laughs> and not just because you aren't strong enough to, but because you have the control to know when to pull back. All of that is executive functioning. That's that inner traffic cop saying just how hard, just how fast, just how still. And I think martial arts makes learning those skills feel like a secondary thing while well, actually they're teaching it explicitly and so kids don't notice versus when they're pulled from class to do a group with me we are learning how to do to follow a checklist or how to read the room or it depends on the level and the age but you're learning and they know that they're being taught how to do tasks how to do schoolwork or how to, or maybe it's ta being taught social skills because that can also be a piece of executive functioning learning how to read those cues when people are laughing but not with you or looking at you funny and they're uncomfortable because your behavior is unexpected. But in martial arts, it's simply like, and now I got a warning or I didn't, or my opponent got the point when, because I got the head strike, but I did it too hard. And so I actually lost my, you know, there's a, it just is much more natural, organic. And if kids are really committed to martial arts, there's much more motivation to follow through with it. Your environment, the environment at karate taught me and my kids so much about what the kinds of appropriate behavior are, and especially when it involves assertiveness, which is not everybody's strong suit. Yeah. I mean, it's the standing up for yourself in a way that is heard, not whiny or right. Like being able to, yeah, be heard and hear others. All of those skills are it's that it's the when they were teaching in leadership how to give feedback and you give praise as well and before you give the correction. I mean, I, I'm work I work with veteran teachers reminding them at times like all kids bare minimum five positives to one constructive feedback, and for kids that have been getting a lot of feedback because their behaviors have been big, it's probably closer to fifteen positives because once you start getting that loop in your head of I'm naughty, I'm bad, I'm obnoxious. At some point, you just say, fine, that's who I am, and you lean into it because 
I'm not getting anywhere any other way and I can't control my impulses. And I think that just from day one, we're talking to seven-year-olds about how to give feedback in a way that's heard. You know, and I think that's so important. So yeah, there's so much that assertiveness, but also that being able to listen, that self-control. It's just, yeah, I've spent hours just geeking out. And I, I love the range of abilities that Ripple works with, like mu muscular challenges, like where there's tremors and things and they're still held to a high expectation, but attainable expectation. Managing anxiety or managing different behaviors in just such a calm and accepting way that helps the kids to grow. True integration benefits everybody. That's awesome. The word integration is beautiful to me too, because I am always thinking about that. How does this integrate into life at home and school for sure? And have you seen that in your own family as your kids have been through the program for two, three, almost four years? Oh yeah. Um, my younger son's focus and um, confidence has really grown. He, he like, attention's a real challenge for my younger one, and he, he and he makes friends there. So he has a bigger circle of friends. You know, not just the school, which I think is super important because you will have falling outs with different social groups, and it's always nice when you have a different one to go to when you're annoyed with the, you know, the school one or whatever, so you don't feel totally alone, but his focus and his um, ability to reach a goal and trust that he can has really grown. I mean, obviously from six to 10, but I think more, it's more than just that. My older one, his emotional regulation has really grown and his self-accountability. He at one point actually handed over his belt because he knew that he was not showing the self-control he needed to. And he yeah. told to what to one of the instructors he admires most. And he told Ms. Hayes, I will earn this back. And he did. I mean, it wasn't easy for him. He cried. He, it was brutal to hand over that belt, but he earned it back. And it means so much more to him than it ever did the first time. He has so much more confidence in his ability to control his emotions and his behavior because of that. And I don't know that he would have had the integrity to hand over his belt or, or to do anything close to that without martial arts. So talking about integrity, which is a high concept, that's got to be incredibly challenging to teach to kids and to, to demonstrate it, to, to learn it through an action and have a response from someone you respect, an instructor, your mother, going, I respect what you did. That's a real reinforcement of a concept like integrity. And I, I don't know how else you teach it. Yeah, I don't, I don't know that there is another way. And I don't know that you can teach the level of pride in that achievement, right? When, when you, from your own self, say, you know what? Right now, I'm not showing what I need to to deserve this honor or this, um, this ranking. And I will, I will fix that. I mean, because he, it wasn't like he could choose when he got his belt back. He could, he chose to hand it over. His instructors were floored that he, they didn't know it was coming, but he, you know, he had to, he didn't get to say, okay, I'm good. Give it back now. He had steps he had to take and it took a little longer than he wanted it to. It wasn't a smooth, you know, he, he had a three week, three weeks of behavior he needed to show. And it took about five or six to get there, but he was able to do it. Um, and I don't know that most 11 year olds have that experience and that confidence in themselves. And yeah, martial arts gives that. There's a, a, a kind of flip side to that story that I saw when I was in prep cycle. And it was at the Johnstown School at night on a Saturday. 
and everyone was lined up. And just for everybody listening, for prep cycle, that preparatory cycle for earning your black belt, you have to have everything taken care of, right? You know all of your curriculum, you have your uniform clean, you have all of the pieces like your sparring equipment and your weapons laid out and ready at a moment's notice. Well, there was one kid who was about 10 or 11 and we're about to do nunchuck one. He hadn't brought his nunchucks. And one of the instructors, every, everything was absolutely quiet, right? Everybody's going, oh, wow, what, this is the entrance exam. What's going to happen to this kid who hasn't brought all of his weaponry? And the instructor said, take off your belt. And there was a hush. I remember feeling myself like, oh, wow, this poor guy. I, you know, I don't know what happened, but I felt bad. And the instructor said, and use it as your nunchucks. And here's how you'll do this. And so in this group of people in training for their black belt at these last stages, here's an instructor that thought, I'm gonna give this kid a boost and I'm gonna see what he does with, with his belt. Take your belt off. And there was this pause and now use it along with everyone else and, and do nunchuck one. And that's what he did. And there was nothing else said. He put his belt back on afterwards and he remembered his nunchucks every single practice. <laughs> so it, it, when it comes to, to being in the school system and for teachers, there's something ideally like that, right? It going, I understand that I don't deserve an A yet. And the teachers should be in, in an ideal world in charge of when the student does pass a class or is there some kind of parallel there? First thing I think of is the, just like give the kid a pencil kind of, you know, there's kids that just don't, are really disorganized, don't have their materials. And we always say, just give them the pencil thing so they can keep learning. And I agree with that. But the flip side is, will they ever remember it if we just give the pencil, right? And at some point, your boss is going to be annoyed that you never have the materials you need when you show up. Like for math class, it's not a big deal. But at some point, we have to learn to remember our supplies. And the difference, again, is that with the martial arts, like, that's a moment that everyone will remember, right? There was this brief pause of, is he having to hand over his belt because he didn't bring his materials because he counted on his mom to have it all together and mom forgot something and it's not mom's test. So, you know, I before my son started training, I didn't always remember or know what he needed, even with going to classes with, you know, sitting on the bench. So that's the piece that I think martial arts can give that I'm not sure teachers have. Like that moment of like, Yes, I will. I'll give you what you need, and um, you will never forget. <laughs> right? um, Can you talk a little bit about the training that prepared you for, and then your experience in competition at the CKA level, the Colorado Karate Association? At CKA, it's because of all the different styles. It, you're being ju judged even more just on how you look doing the form. Um, so you need to have that really sharp technique and that and know each move and have the timing right when it's jump round kick, to, you know, when it's these fancy twirly kick moves and then you get to make it yours. But until you have it down the way it traditionally should look, you know, there's no space for that creativity because you need that technique first before you can get to the next level. But once you get past it, that technique and just getting it right, you know, having it so that you can't get it wrong, that I could do it in my sleep place. Now you get to add flair and that's fun. That's where it gets fun. 
even just if you listen to the instructors and how they ki that they have fun it's very clear they have fun with their yells and everybody's got their signature and but you got to start with knowing how to just show intensity to begin with and then i i see in um prep cycle you need to go back to just that core technique because we're supposed to be all doing it at the same time so there's no space for your timing to be off to stretch this move to slow this you know to speed that one up because then we won't be in sync. I remember that from being in prep cycle, a lot of responsibility on my shoulders to be the best I can be, but not be a show off or something. Yeah, well, and I think it again is teaching a lot of those executive functioning skills. It's an individual sport. And then you go to prep cycle and you need to be super aware of your surroundings and you need to be able to pay it, be looking where you're supposed to look and yet still know if your timing is matching your pod. So that peripheral vision, that awareness of your surroundings. And that feels like that now that we're in prep cycle, that's like the higher level executive functioning training. I think especially for our youngest kids, really hard. Executive functioning is the last, that, that part of the brain is the last part to develop. So when you're thinking about our kids that are eight, and nine, we're asking them to be exercising a part of the brain that won't start growing for another couple of years. And yet I think that it's in a good way. I think there are other times when I'm like, the, the lesson happening in grade school is not developmentally appropriate and the brains aren't there yet. <laughs> and you're not helping at all by teaching it early. But this is one where I think actually it does help. And especially when it's a team effort. So there's people, they're not asked to do it alone. It's very important for that kind of next level. If you're going to go up to black belt, it's time to, to be thinking more of the group, less more of the whole. So do you think in terms of that brain development and this executive function development that kids who are starting when they're four or five, six years old, that when they're 18 and getting out of high school, going on to college or whatever they're doing, do you think that that early black belt training, does it play a role in the kind of success that they can find later? I think it can. Uh, I think the biggest thing is how committed are they and, and then their parents. The littler they are, the more that their parents are committed. So if they're actually practicing and coming to the classes and taking it seriously, parents are kind of working the system, I guess, you know, doing the checklists and having them actually fill out the word of the month and learning and going to leadership and just all of that. I think it can be huge. And especially if they continue on, if they, you know, it's not just, okay, well, I got my black belt at eight and I'm done. They, cause they have a chance as young as 13 to be mentors and leaders. And there's so little opportunities in our society for our young adolescents to have that type of responsibility and leadership role, I believe is why so many um, teens get into trouble and have um, mental health challenges too. We just don't have a role for our adolescents. Um, and our culture has extended our adolescents far longer than most so that now we say oh your brain doesn't finish developing till 25 um, you know societies in the past you were a grown adult at 12 i think that's a little much but <laughs> i think that we've just um but kids but people functioned and were able to then start their own households and so there's something that shifted and we don't give any responsibility to our kids but if you're sticking with martial arts there's this very clear path with responsibilities and expectations and leadership role and younger kids that are looking up to you that at like 13, 14, who see the importance of their role and take it very seriously. And it just really changes, I think, what direction you want to go. I've, I see it with our young instructors too, who maybe they don't want to be martial arts instructors for life, but um, 
they can tell me exactly how it helped them. And they put it right into their graduate applications and their college applications about what they learned and how they benefited and how it will continue to benefit them. That's awesome. So on that note, what do you envision for yourself? Because it's around the corner where you'll test with your son for your black belt. Where, what do you see happening subsequently? Oh, I don't see me stopping, even if my kids are done with it by second degree, because again, it's my self-care. It's my grounding. It's yeah. I mean, I tore my ACL a year and a half ago and I worked real hard to get back. <laughs> so it was as I had reconstruction surgery a month before the world shut down. <laughs> and uh, all, I did physical therapy religiously to get back because I, it's just such a central part of my life now and of my self-care. Nothing like a good guttural scream when you've had a bad day. Um, and, you know, with the excuse of it's a key eye in the middle of the form. But, you know. Thank you for listening to the Ripple Effect Martial Arts Podcast. Find episodes and more at rippleeffectmartialarts.com.